Hey, what's going on, everybody? You listen to Sega Station. Man, that's a nickname. Always a lot to say with no shame. Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. Hope all is well out there with everybody. Hope everyone's staying safe. Had to go back and listen to my pod yesterday just to make sure I said 2021 because you get into a groove sometimes doing this, getting into a rhythm, trying to have it a certain type of way. And I did confirm that I said 2021. It is kind of wild. That it is 2021 after all we went through in 2020. I wrapped that up in another pod that I did. Shouting out my bocce. Rest in peace to my bocce. Missing my bocce. Missing my friends. Missing the sunshine. Missing the warmth. I, I really get seasonally depressed, man. It gets dark so early. The only thing to look forward to for me is sports. I love watching sports. There's a lot of great news in sports. There's a lot of great sports on right now. You're going to have the Heisman presentation tonight. Hopefully, Devontae Smith takes that home as only the fourth wide receiver to do so. You got plenty of NFL discussions with not only Week 17 and all that action that occurred, but the playoffs, souped-up wildcard weekend, and all that's going to happen with two triple headers in the NFL this week with breaking news across the NFL two weeks through the NBA season, and NBA games every single night. You're going to have a college football national championship, I believe Monday, January 8th. I believe that's Monday. I believe that's when it is, January 8th. Going to have to do my research on that. But the sports world is popping. And I miss being able to come in, do this every day, every other day, three, four times a week, because that's... What I think makes it more fun. There's so much stuff going on in sports. There's so many conversations in sports. And you can make it any type of way. See it any type of way. And the conversations tend to be endless. I always have a lot of stuff to say. And that's how I'm kind of feeling today. Always rhyming. That's all I have to say, man. Classic rhymes. Right now it's time for Straight Talk. Brought to you by Seggy Straight Talk Microphone. It's always direct. Time to reflect. Always rhyming. Appreciate all love and support. As always, you can give me a follow on my Instagram page at Seggy Station, Twitter page at Seggy Station. Always got a live version of the pod up on my Twitch stream. It's underscore Seggy underscore G. We got the podcast out on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Hopefully, get your podcast there as well. Gonna have to start with this today. Saw yesterday, I knew it was coming up, Dan Levitard, last show, ESPN, last day, ESPN. Not sure if he's talked about what he's going to be doing next, but him, Poppy, Stugatz, a lot of highly questionable, the Dan Levitard show that used to air on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, no longer ESPN News, just ESPN Radio. Lots of shakeups, not only at ESPN, but to ESPN Radio. Not that I don't like Greeny, not that I don't like some of the other people that are on ESPN Radio currently love the morning set, Keyshawn J. Will Zubin. I think Bart Scott's going to be in at noon. I think he's pretty good. I'm going to enjoy listening to that. He's definitely fiery. But to me, Dan Lembertard is the reason why I have a a podcast. It sounds kind of crazy, but I need to give this man and his dad a shout out because I've watched this guy's show for as long as I can remember. He talked about being on... For at least a decade, he talked about being with the company for at least two decades. ESPN, that is. Highly questionable for, I believe it was 10 years. With his dad, Poppy, which I've watched highly questionable and and admired that 30 minutes of the day, five days a week. Hated when they're on vacation type of thing for, like I said, as long as I can remember. And I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to go to school for that. I never did. I I went to be a golf pro, and I love being a golf pro, but I love talking sports. I love seeing people talk sports, and I think when I got to a certain point saying, "Mm, maybe I see all these other people just doing their own thing. Why why can't I do my own thing? The inspiration came from some of these guys that do it for a living. I mean, shit, you watch, I watch and listen to sports talk radio or ESPN news that has sports talk radio or sports talk shows, Fox Sports 1. Skip Bayless has a show. Colin Cohert has a show. Plenty of dudes. Max Kellerman. Stephen A. Smith is my guy. Called into his show a couple of, couple of times. It's 
something I like to do and it's something that I always wanted to do and you get inspiration from a guy like Lebetard who had a different type of show, covered different type of topics, didn't really care what anyone had to say. Probably moving on to have an opportunity to do something similar in that fashion where in regards, he doesn't really have to follow a script. His show was always authentic, different, always had the best people on the show. Stugatz is one of the funniest dudes in the, in the sports media because everyone has their feelings about Stugatz. My my feelings about Dan Lebertard, Poppy, and Stugatz, they're kind of like you either love him or you hate him. And that's why I think it becomes he's one of the most iconic. When he's been around for that long, inspiring people and doing what he's done for the company for that long. Uh, I just, when I saw his video, when I heard the news, I knew it was coming soon. Definitely had to give my man Dan Lebetard and Poppy a shout out. So I needed to start with that for today. I will lead then into some NFL discussions in which <clears throat> wanted to clean up a few from yesterday, but I had some breaking news I had to get into today. When I saw Kevin Stefanski, Browns head coach, a team that's in the playoffs, currently a sixth seed is the wild card, slated to play the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, has tested positive for COVID. Two other Browns players have tested positive and two other Browns coaches have tested positive for COVID, a total of five individuals. The Browns have closed their facility today, according to Adam Schefter. Browns are closing the facility. The special teams coordinator, Mike Preafire, now will serve as the Cleveland's acting head coach. I don't even know who that is. If Stavansky is not able to go in this game, which... He is asymptomatic. They're not ruling it out yet. If he can get back, how many negative tests it is to protocol for the NFL, we'll see. But we're still waiting to see contract tracing. And if that's going to result in any of other players or coaches being out. And what's going to be the first wild card game for the Cleveland Browns in 18 years. And this is tough for me because... The Browns should have a chance to win the game with their team, with their coach, with their entire roster, in my opinion. And I know we're in a COVID era. I know we're in a pandemic situation. I know that seems highly unlikely at this time. But some of my reasons for that is some of the reasons I had back going with the NBA and ha them having a bubble and my regards to, well, what happens if some of these players during the playoffs start getting COVID and you, and you have to have them sitting out? Well, the bubble in the NBA basically had that under control. And obviously that's much harder circumstances on the players and the collaboration for the league to be able to pull that off. Not only in a league like the NFL would be difficult, but I do think it does matter if you're going to sit tell the Cleveland Browns and their fan base that hasn't been to the playoffs in literally almost two decades that, yeah, your first playoff game, you're going to have to go in there without your head coach who has 11 wins on the season, who calls your plays, without two other coaches, and without how many other players it might be due to contract tracing. Right now it's two. Who knows how many more it's going to be? I mean, that seems a bit unfair to me. I know life doesn't seem to be fair, but I also would argue that that just doesn't seem fair enough where you can collaborate it being a fair season. I know the NFL got through 256 games and 100% of them were played, zero of them canceled. I know some situations came across the NFL throughout their season in which they had to alter and do different things in order to get that to happen. But this is the playoffs. This is... You're going to ask the Cleveland Browns to have a dude who potentially has never called plays before in the NFL to do it for his first time in an NFL playoff game? That, to me, seems a bit outrageous. And this was something I was certainly worried about, and it's coming to the surface here pretty quickly for Cleveland Browns, their fan base, and that organization. Just, what, we're Tuesday, f four or five days away from the playoffs tipping off? Cleveland Browns are expected to play the last game, Sunday, 8-15, NBC, a wildcard weekend. But how much is that going to matter? We'll have to wait and see. I did need to next then talk about 
some of the stuff we talked about yesterday. Let me just pause this bell for a second because I need to first get my recording up so I can play that during this segment because this is getting a bit out of hand for me. Give me one sec. Alright, cool. Let me first just say this before I play this recording, which is Joe Judge, head coach, response to Doug Peterson's decision-making in the Sunday night football game that we discussed, I discussed by myself yesterday. I've been hearing so many people in the media that I enjoy listening to, sports media, particularly Keyshawn Johnson, who I think is pretty good. I like the show. I think he has some good takes. But this one right here, I just don't understand. I've been, I tried to call the show like 15 times today. Hopefully they'll take my call soon because I can't understand how he's trying to tell me and other sports analysts that watch sports and get paid to talk sports are saying that resting players in which your team has already clinched a playoff spot is the same as sitting players when you have nothing to play for those games and those situations in my opinion are not the same if doug peterson really wanted to see nate suffield and get him some time and some reps in my opinion not only in respect to the rest of the players that have been fighting on that team all year that should have been talked about discussed during the week made decision prior to the game why is jalen hurts even playing then that is my gripe here. And then not only is Jalen Hurts still playing and you pull him from the game during the third quarter, not kicking field goals in which you have a chip shot to tie the game, not ki- keeping Jalen Hurts to win the game, potentially, in which he wanted to stay in the game, and the rest of the team has talked about being disgusted and outraged with the decision for Doug Peterson, of Doug Peterson to put in Nate Suffield. And yeah, there's probably some other things that go on along with this here. But my point is, the rest of the dudes, Miles Sanders, Fletcher Cox, they didn't suit up. Wentz, he wasn't even dressed. So, why is Jalen Hurts playing then? Doug Peterson. Why are you pulling him during the game? He's not hurt. That's the only reason he should have been pulled during the game, in my opinion. In which, you're trying to evaluate him. He's only played three or four games and only completed 52% of his passes in the NFL, which is at the bottom of the league amongst that ones that qualify. But no, everyone's mad at Joe Judge and me, a, you know, the Giants fans, which by the way, I'm not even mad that we didn't get it because the Eagles lost the game. Like I would have been cool if the Eagles left Jalen Hurts in and they lost the game and continued to play and lost the game. Like, that's cool. I'm all right with it. I get the Giants need to win more games to make the playoffs. I get we're building after being tied with the Jets in terms of overall record during the last three seasons in the NFL. I understand that. I am not arguing that. But what I am arguing is that this man... Doug Peterson made a decision in which, in my opinion, affected the integrity of the game. And my head coach thinks so as well. And I couldn't agree more. Take a listen to this. Football team. Team on the other end of it that really got screwed, let's be honest, is the New York Giants, if you believe that's the case. And Joe Judge at his season-ending press conference yesterday certainly is in that camp. There's a number of sacrifices been made by all the players and coaches in this league. There's a number of sacrifices that come along as well with the family members and the people connected to them. To disrespect the effort that everyone put forward to make this season a success for the National Football League, to disrespect the game by going out there and not competing for 60 minutes and doing everything you can to help those players win, we will never do that as long as I'm the head coach of the York Giants. You know, and he's getting pushback on that. But Doug Peterson coming out afterwards and pretty much lying to all of our faces it is no issue. Like, yeah, I'm happy my coach is saying that. I'm happy that my team is upset that the Eagles performed and laid down that way. You know, I thought the Eagles had better culture than that. I thought Doug Peterson was a little more old school in that, where in which you just want to win the football game. Like, the first thing that matters is just trying to win the game. No matter where you're at in the season, no matter how meaningless games are, let's just be real here. 
we had in week 17 this season, meaningless games, quote unquote, going down to the wire being epic. AFC Championship South title for the Titans. They had to clinch for the first time since 2008 in which Deshaun Watson is gemming for the league uh, leading and passing title with no weapons, 41-38. You got a shootout in which the Vikings and Lions playing for nothing was one of the best games of the week and was because of a horrible call on fourth and goal by the refs potentially swayed that outcome of the game. What about last season? in which the Miami Dolphins got blown out by the New England Patriots 43-0. But not last week of the season, y'all remember this? When Brady needed a win in the Patriots to secure that two-seed and that bye, in which all they had to do was beat the Miami Dolphins. They had already beaten 43-0, and they had nothing to play for, the Miami Dolphins. They weren't going to the playoffs if they had won that game. They had nothing to play for. What'd they do? They won the game. They had stopped the Patriots from getting the two seed in which they had to play wild card weekend in which they got bounced in the first round. And you know what that was about? Culture. You know what the Dolphins did this year? Went out and won 10 games. And yeah, they just missed the playoffs. But you know what they have? Three of the top 36 picks in this upcoming 2020 NFL draft. A ton good culture. And those team is different because of the way Brian Flores plays in those games. What you were had, Duke, and the Eagles, if you were an opportunity to win this game, is to eliminate the Washington football team, a division foe, from being crowned division championship. That's pride. That's what some of those players were playing for. And that's what Doug Peterson took away from not only Jalen Hurts, but the rest of his own team and fan base. And I can't believe that Duke and certain people are trying to back this up. Like, Keyshawn Johnson, take a listen to this, man. Why? Absolutely you do. And let me let me give you some context here. Dan Orlovsky, one of the best NFL analysts, one of the realest NFL analysts coming out here, giving a little Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson is a former NFL star, right? He was a number one overall pick. He is in sports talk radio right now. And he is the audacity to come out here and act like not only does Doug Peterson not deserve the media an explanation, but is trying to tell me that they giving up three spots and not going out and trying to beat the Washington football team and, and uh, knock them off from winning the NFC East for the first time in who knows how long is more important than that. those three spots is more important for than Jalen Hurts who wants to compete, who wanted to play in that game for the rest of the team, Zach Ertz, a guy that might not ever play there again, out on the field to one in the morning crying his eyes off after the game. Uh, Jason Kelsey, whatever his name is, about to retire. All those players that fought all year, that are out there braced up all year, trying to win a game to knock that team off. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, when they're right there trying to win the game, you decide to do that. It's one thing if you do it to start the game, because then that tone is set. And then I'm not as mad, and nor should anyone else be. Okay, they wanted to fall three spots in the draft. That's fine. That tone was set from the start. But to do that midway through the game, to pass up a field goal to tie the game, to throw in a dude who has never played in the NFL before, who's been on your roster for four years, so you have could have checked him out 
plenty of times, especially when Wentz was looking like the worst quarterback in this league. And let me also mind you this. The biggest story right now is what's going to go on with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles in the offseason and Doug Peterson and all this stuff. The biggest report is that Carson Wentz wants out. Fractured relationship with Doug Peterson. Does this situation that he just caused, not only with the rest of his team, but with his now new potential franchise piece, Jalen Hurts, and pulling him in a game not affect that relationship? I, I just don't understand it. And I talked about it yesterday with the Dallas Cowboys. Let me just finish up the rest of this recording. Lie. Thirty-three percent of the NFL rosters turned over each year. No kidding. It's not, though. It's not. He's always saying he's speaking the truth and he's real and he probably is a lot of the time. But that right there is just not. You're just trying to bash the dude because he's a Wentz guy. Wentz isn't even dressed in this game, which is another situation for me where I'm like, dude, this dude, the backup that you're paying $100 million a year, who is has a fractured relationship and now requesting a trade, isn't even dressed in this game. In which, now, you're a new guy. What? Duke's saying he's backup? No, he's your new starter. Like, going forward, right? Gets pulled during the game. For now, your third-string quarterback in which you're not getting blown out in the game. You didn't do this from the beginning of the game. You had a chance to win the game, tie the game into the fourth quarter. And you do that. And the conversation, the media conversation, the flat-out lies to the public after the fact for Doug Peterson, in my opinion, is a fireable fence. He hasn't been fired yet. And I'd be stunned if he doesn't get fired. Center had a emotional plea saying that like 
if guys getting reps and figuring out what a player is, it doesn't matter. Their center, who is, like, why did they practice last week? Hey, coach, why did I have to come in and practice? Why can't I celebrate New Year's Eve the way I want? If, if I knew this is how it was going to go down, and I knew this was your plan, then why did I have to come to work? Well, why because, Dan, because, Dan, because Keyshawn feels like coaches don't need to tell the players what the plan is. He doesn't owe that to them. Yeah, you got to be absolutely right. He's player. I want to know what the plan is. He I want to know what we're going into this game thinking. Hey, at the end, they went into the game trying to win the game, Dan. In the end, they said, you know what? what? We got an opportunity now at this juncture to get moved from nine to six. And if that was his thought process, I'm okay with it. If that was his thought process in the fourth quarter, I'm okay with it. I have no problem with it at all. None. He doesn't owe anybody any explanation. Tell the players before the game. Let us know who that dude's playing before the game. You know, Olofsky's right on the money, man. To win a game in the NFL, to knock the Redskins formerly off for the first time since they had to change their name. 87 years, everything in it had to go this offseason. Great for them, 100%. The Washington football team wins the NFC East because of that laydown. And I sat here with Dukes two weeks ago, an Eagles fan, and played a Jason Watt. J.J. Watt, I'm sorry. I don't know why I just called him Jason. Recording in which me and Duke couldn't agree anymore on. You're an NFL player. Even if you're in a meaningless football game, aren't you still trying to win it, man? Like, isn't that the whole point of playing at that level? Trying to win for people that, like J.J. Watts said, fans like us that buy shit, wear shit, support in advocate for that team out of all the other i mean i don't get it man and obviously long segment there but heading into the playoffs this is the biggest story everyone's talking about it and rightly so and and i'm still waiting to see what goes on with the eagles and doug peterson wentz all of it but that certainly has to be discussed and i'd be curious to Hear what a couple of my buddies had to say about that. I'll switch it up a little bit and switch, keep it in the NFL. And I did need to comment on this uh, thing that I heard. I guess we'll go with that. A little shaky today. Pro football focus. Tom Brady, second best QB in the league. Now, he did have... 43 touchdown passes, tied second. He was third in passing yards this year. He did throw for his second most touchdowns in his career. He did lead the NFL in air distance and yards in air distance. He had a great season for a franchise that might be the worst in professional sports history. I mean, the Tampa Bay Bucks have a franchise record winning percentage of 30% since they've been a franchise. And he's got them now back into the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. Got them up there for the first time over 10 wins in 10 years. And yes, he expe- exceeded not only his own team's expectations, my team's expectations, and I'm sure a lot of other te- people's expectations. You got to give the man at the age of 43 a lot of credit for going out there and throwing the second most touchdowns for a man of that age. But let's just be real here. Let's just just be flat out real here. This man is 1-5, in five, this team, against playoff teams in which he had 10 touchdowns and nine interceptions in those games. He has 30 touchdowns and three interceptions in 
the rest of their games in which they played no playoff teams, in which they won all 10. Now, over their last three, which I've covered, you had to play the Falcons and Detroit Lions three games. Everyone knocks Kirk Cousins. Obviously, he's got a horrible Monday Night Football record. Obviously, Kirk Cousins, and I've knocked on myself, I don't think he's that guy to be the quarterback for your team if you want to actually win a Super Bowl. I mean, Kirk Cousins can win you some games, but we all know what Kirk Cousins is. Kirk Cousins threw for 405 yards and four touchdowns up against the Detroit Lions in Week 17. So Brady, all these 698 yards in his last eight quarters or whatever it is, and this is his QBR and his stats and his this and his that. Bro, you're going up against the 29th and 30th ranked defenses in the NFL that have two interim head coaches, a third string interim head coach in that game in which multiple people were out due to COVID that no one's talking about. And complete laydown situations three weeks in a row for three teams. So yeah, it looks hot. It looks real good right now. Everyone's talking real hype on the Bucks. No kidding. That's who they've been playing. Go look at their primetime games. Go look at the teams in which they played that are playoff bound. They are 1-5 in in those games. They are not good in those big-time games. It'll be interesting to see everyone saying Super Bowl or bust for the Tampa Bay Bucks. There is no way that they are going to beat the Green Bay Packers. I'll give them a slight chance against the Washington football team, but I think they can lose that game. I think Chase Young... Saying I want Tom Brady might not be a good thing, but might be a great thing because he can get if he can get to him, forget about it. Get to him a couple times, he's rattled. Who knows what's going on with Mike Evans and his injury? Stay tuned for game picks predictions. Probably this Thursday. But let's just be real on the Tampa Bay Bucks right now. They the you don't make up the schedule. I get it. You're playing teams that are out of it and not great, and playing what meaningless football games. Right? I mean, they're still fighting to win the game, right? They're still trying to win, still putting up points, not pulling guys, but losing because defense is historically tragic. Little of this, little of that. Heard. And I played the recording when Dukes was here a couple weeks back. Maybe last week. I don't know exactly. I lose track of time. Time goes by so quick, man. Crazy. Of J.J. Watt talking about, you know, his team. Pretty much calling out his team, obviously. Who knows what's going to be going on with J.J. Watt. I believe one year left on his deal. And we'll see if he's able to get to a team or if the Texans can do anything with the situation going on right now. Obviously, one of the teams with a GM opening and a head coaching vacancy. Sean Watson has a quote statement out there about a culture shift, about basically calling out his team in very similar fashion in which a guy this year led the league in passing, talked about all the non-weapons he had, talked about the debacle in which Bill O'Brien created for him in trading DeAndre Hopkins this offseason and getting fired four games into the season after an 0-4 start. Romeo Cannell doing the best he can, obviously trying to win games, fighting Deshaun Watson, playing elite, but... Four wins to show for it, not much to show for it, and will be interesting to see who they can get in there at head coach and GM. When you look at the six openings right now, you got the Texans, the Jets, the Jags, the Lions, the Chargers, the Falcons. If I had to rank those, I think the Houston Texans, in my opinion, would be the second best job. I think, no doubt about it, the LA Chargers are the best. I mean, you got Justin Herbert, been talking about him plenty of times on my pod. You got all those weapons, and you got a defense that might return healthy. Er, you got a lot of pieces to the puzzle, not only on the offensive side of the ball, defense side of the ball, rookie quarterback, very elite on a rookie deal, Austin Eckler. You got tons of pieces in place there. I get it. Tough division, but clearly the best spot. Deshaun Watson is not is definitely the second best. And I know there's not a lot of weapons, but you can get a little more. You can fix up the defense. You can get JJ Watt. Hopefully they're bought in one last time to lead that defense. That's the second best spot, no doubt. When you go look at the rest of these. 
Julio Jones talk about trade talks. Who knows what's going on with Matt Ryan? I think the Falcons may be the third best, but who knows what's going on with that franchise? What do you go after that? The Jags? Because they got the number one pick, a million cap space. I'd probably put the Jags third, actually. Tons of cap space, number one overall pick. Really good pieces in LaVicious Chennault and James Robinson, undrafted rookie. We saw him out of the backfield. A lot of good pieces on the defense side of the ball. Henderson, a couple of their draftees, Miles Jack, and they got some pieces there. Questionable with Sean Kahn owning the team, but other than that, reports of Urban Meyer requesting $12 million to be the, the coach there. I mean, that's, I think, potentially even maybe the second best spot. You go look at the, the other two or three, I mean, those are just debacles. Dumpster fires. The Falcons may be one as well. I mean, what's going to go on? That might be total rebuild. You go and trade Julio Jones and you get rid of Matt Ryan. I mean, you got Todd Gurley. What is he? He's going to be gone. It's going to be straight rebuild in the Falcons. And you're looking at a straight rebuild in Detroit. You're getting rid of Matt Stafford, young running back. Kenny Galladay probably getting signed via free agency. All rebuild out there. You took a kudo last year. Who knows what's on with the defense? New coach, new GM needed. And Matt uh, Hardy being fired out there. And the Jets probably are the worst, right? I mean, they got the second best, they got the second overall pick, and they got some of these pieces. But I think just overall, when you go and look at what's going on and what they have to deal with with the media and the fan base, I think that just is overall the worst spot until you can find somebody that's willing to go in there and be like, oh, I could take this over the top. And who's going to want to do that? And who is going to be able to do that? I'm just not so sure. Like, I don't think Sam Darnold's the guy. And so who do you take one of the, somebody else at two and Sam Darnold's on the market? I mean, there's just so many question marks there. I'd be curious to hear what my man, Barold, Jets fan, haven't heard from him in so long, had to say about that. But that's, I know that was probably a confusing list, but I'd probably go Chargers, Texans, Jags, Falcons, Lions, Jets, if I had to rank those. Coaching vacancies, we'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of quarterback carousel this offseason. And I think there's going to be a lot of interesting head coaching hires over the next few weeks across the NFL with Jason Garrett being requested for an interview by the LA Chargers, a guy that's won 56% of his games, a guy that's obviously been knocked for being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for nine years. But when you go look at those nine years, they're sixth in points per game. They're sixth in yards per game. They're second in yards per attempt. They're winning 56% of their games. So you think Jason Garrett in there with Justin Herbert, all those weapons I talked about, be a great move. I think that'd be a great move. I think Eric Bielemi getting stolen from the Chiefs, plugged in there, would be a great opportunity for him as well to potentially take that team to the next level. But it'll be interesting to see how he shakes out as a head coach, first-time head coach. When I saw you go look back at his stint in college, his alma mater at Colorado, he went 3-22 and in two seasons or three seasons, which is not great. So it'll be interesting to see how he does, considering maybe a little bit of the Mike McCarthy effect, in my opinion, with all of a sudden you get Pat Mahomes and you're turned into the hottest offensive coordinator candidate in the market i mean what do you expect pat mahomes has been the hottest quarterback since taking over that job but i think there's going to be a lot of interesting stories to follow urban meyer coming out of retirement requesting 12 million that's no nfl success health issues potentially i mean i don't know it's not college and we've seen some success from some of these guys coming from the college ranks to the NFL, but we've seen a lot of failures. We've seen a lot of failures. And the only one that I know is to be extremely successful, I'd say, is what, Pete Carroll? Um, is Urban Meyer able to be a Pete Carroll? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I do believe that'll be interesting to see. I mentioned it. Briefly, during the audio clips, 33% chance roster turnover in the NFL each season. And I talked about the Jags being a hot spot for probably top three on my uh, list for head coach vacancies. 
The Jags, 27th year as a franchise. They finished bottom 10 19 times. 19 times. And this is the first time they're ever going to select number one if they do choose to do so. I assume they choose to do so. That is unreal. Did need to touch on this quick. I saw this. Cam Newton, a lot of reports out there of him potentially parting ways now with the New England Patriots. Who knows what's going to go on? No official announcement yet. No official announcement from Bill yet. There are a few quotes out here from Cam Newton. One of them in which he was asked, do I think I'm a starter? Do I think I have starting talent? He was asked. He said, absolutely. He said, being a backup in this league? Hell no. You go look at 32. Am I 32nd at this position? I see people getting away with murder for subpar performances at the quarterback position in this league. Now, here's my thing with Cam Newton. I know he's an MVP in this league. What, 2015 with the Carolina Panthers, went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Broncos. I know Cam Newton is probably one of the best rushing quarterbacks, if not the best rushing quarterback we've ever seen in the NFL. Got to give credit where credit is due. I know that the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick surrounded him with very limited offensive weapons this year and with multiple offense on the defensive side of the ball. I did not expect them to do much this season either way. Adding Cam Newton didn't seem to turn out how a lot of people thought it would, which was, oh yeah, the New England Patriots, they got Cam Newton now. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. We're going to win the AFC East still and we'll, we'll be competing, no problem. In my opinion, the reason why you weren't winning some of those games, competing in some of those games, amongst all those other things I mentioned New England has had to deal with, was because of Cam Newton's play. There was a stat that over a three-game span, he ranked third in the last 10 seasons in yards completed. To only Christian Ponder with 212, Geno Smith, I don't know what it was, and then Cam Newton, I believe it was 262 or 292. Not ideal. And he's not only looking off, missing passes, but throwing passes in the dirt. Not able to really look the same throwing the ball deep downfield that we once saw him. And I'm not saying if you get him some more weapons or if he's in a different spot, he might not be able to look better than that. But I do think with a lot of these up and young coming young quarterbacks in the NFL, he ain't no Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Big Ben, Eli Manning, guys getting up in age still playing at a decent level. Bro, Cam Newton, (laughs) I don't think he's a starter in the NFL. I really don't. I think he's going to have to be a backup. I think he might have to be a, oh, you might get plugged in like Nick Foles, even though I think it was the wrong decision type of thing with Cam Newton, unless New England decides to bring him back. Because I just do not see him getting a starting job and being able to keep it based on the way he's been playing. Uh, I I really just don't see that. I did got a touch. I did uh, mention this yesterday, and I'm going to get into some NBA, uh, which was Tom Herman and some of the college coaches and the turmoil there. I was getting fired up with my brother about this last night. Went to play a little indoor golf with my brother. Shout out to him, Essex Golf. Dope little joint. Y'all should check it out. I've seen a few of my friends checking out. It's pretty sweet. Right off of exit three on Route 9. Nice and close for me, so I went and checked it out. Played a little Pebble Beach with my brother last night. It's pretty fire. Tom Herman, he's coached four seasons of Texas. Had, what, half a recruiting class because he had to deal with the recruiting class that was there. Didn't get really a full recruiting class. Got fired. The man's 4-0 in bowl games. And when I went and did a little more research on this, Dabo Sweeney in his first four seasons. 2-2 two and two in bowl games, exact same record as Tom Herman. This is shocking to me because not only do I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to be a bust for Texas, but like what, three or four years from now, you're going to fire Steve Sarkeesian. Like this is the problem with college football. Anybody that really gets a shot has to be around for 10, 11 years with that team to actually have a shot to prove their worth. Because not only is recruiting so difficult, you need to get a full class, 
but you're competing with SEC, ACC and Clemson, Oklahoma and the Pac-12 or whatever it is. You're competing with powerhouses in terms of recruiting that already have a basis set up. Tom Herman did not deserve to lose his job. The fact that you did fire the man and he's going to be getting paid $15 million this year to probably chill is the problem with college football. This dude could have gotten $5 million a year, gave back $10 million, and you could have paid the entire conference players. This is my problem when it comes to not only what goes on with college football in terms of not paying players, but what goes on with college coaches getting the boot so early because you can't beat Oklahoma or Bama or whatever it is. You're never going to beat them. Like LSU files less miles, right? Because he was not able to eat Bama a bunch of times. Dude won a national championship, was won 76% of his games, 75% of his games, whatever it was. They bring in Ed O, he wins a natty title. He's winning 75% of his games. Yeah, 1% less than less miles. Dude's probably going to get fired in a year. Like, the turmoil for what when the rebuild was Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and probably one of the best offices ever? Like, how much did Ed O? Like, you're telling me less miles couldn't win with Joe Burrow and that entire roster? Like, you're telling me that whoever was coaching that team potentially in the college rankings with any type of coaching experience couldn't potentially Take that team to the Final Four and win the Final... Like, you see this every year, bro. Like, who couldn't coach this Bama team right now and take them to the Final Four and potentially win a national championship? They got four number one wide receivers on the same team. Like, not only to mention the rest of the roster they have that goes in the first round of the NFL draft or comes back and goes in the first round of the draft, NFL draft every single year. Blows my mind. We'll see if Tom Herman gets another chance. Covered most of the NFL. Oh, yeah. I talked about Adam Gase getting fired. 9-23, 15 losses by double-digit points. Really good. Not only that, couple that with the rise of Ryan Tannehill without him. I mean, this dude, there's no way he's getting another NFL coaching job. No way. Like, my brother's saying, oh, he might be like a Freddie Kitchens getting a tight ends job or something. Maybe, dude. Maybe. Cowboys. Talked about them a bunch yesterday. Couldn't agree more with my takes on them yesterday. Similarly to the Eagles, I mean, just no cap space. Turmoil with what's going on at quarterback. Culture issues. Cowboys 0-16 in the last two seasons if they don't score 30-plus points in a game. Got some issues on defense as well, man. Cards 6-3, finish 2-7. That's tough. I'm not sure if that's going to attribute to some injuries there with Kyler Murray, the rest of the squad. I think some of it probably will hang on Clips Kingberry, but that's tough. See if the Cardinals are able to bounce back next season. Bill O'Brien gets the last laugh on that one, I guess, huh? <laughs> Saints 6-0 versus the NFC South this year. No Kamara, Ty Montgomery, 100 yards. Status on Kamara and Thomas for this week's game versus the Bears. Getting filled out a little bit. We'll see what's going on with that. Talked about Buffalo yesterday, last six games, 6-0. 38 points per game, first point differential plus 119, first yards per game, 0.675, first won all those games by double digits, first team to do that was 2014, or last team to do that, I'm sorry, was 2014 Seattle Seahawks, we all remember what went on with that team, so just leading into a little bit of my game picks and NFL playoffs souped up wildcard weekend discussion that I hopefully will come on and do Thursday. Maybe I'll get a special guest. We'll see. Before I get out of here, I'm going to cover some NBA. I wish Rich was here for this. The Knicks, they're over 500 for the first time since being 1-0 in 2018-2019 season. The Knicks, a team that I sat here and told Rich, I'm like, bro, dude, come on, man. I think you're going to get a few more wins. I got a little more faith in Tibbs. I think Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Julius Randle I like, Rich hates apologize to him but man this dude is going off and 
I saw Jay Rubin. That was hilarious. Uh, All-NBA first team forward Julius Randle. I mean, right now he's playing like an all-star, no doubt. Knicks 4-3 and three, just took out the Hawks last night, a team that I think is a real contender in the East this, this season for a playoff spot. I think the Knicks are going to potentially make the playoffs. I think the Knicks might make the playoffs under top teams. I know it's only seven games in, but here's the thing. They've been fighting in every single game and playing in every single game, something that I predicted, and Rich looked at me like, yeah, that's not going to happen. That's happened. Tom Tibbs, that's his style. I think the Knicks will need some more pieces, obviously, going forward, but I think get OB Toppin back, what they got going right here, give a little more time to quickly, less time to Peyton, some of the pieces around him, the Knicks, they'll be fine. They'll win some games, more games than I thought they would win last year, which they didn't win a lot last year, and I think they're better than last year, so I think they're going to win more games than people are going to give them credit for. I think the Knicks potentially have a chance to at least make the play-in, and that's going to be shocking to not only Knicks fans, but to Rich, but really not shocking to me. I think the Knicks can get it going. It's been so long. It's been such a weird season. I think you're seeing some of that stuff shake out right now with some of the standings. But I think it's a real thing where Tibbs, that long offseason, changing culture starts somewhere. It happened with my New York Giants. Maybe it's happening right now in a team in the New York Knicks. Head coach has a lot to do with that culture. Team buy-in, and you're hearing all the quotes, not only from uh, Julius Randle, but I'm leaving uh, out R.J. Barrett in this conversation, who's been having a fantastic start to his season as well. Obviously, we've heard all the noise on him. I think he's slightly underrated based on what he's put out there thus far. And if he's able to groom and progress rather than regress, that's only a bonus for them as well. It'd be interesting to see what Rich has to say about them Knicks, their hot start, their chances at potentially even being considered in the playoffs because I don't think anyone project them to be 507 games through the season. I wouldn't say that I predicted that either, but I'm not going to say I'm shocked with, even without Obi Toppin, the reason why I thought they would be potentially 500 this year. He's going to come back hopefully within the next week or two, and this team can keep it going, keep the wins up, and me and Rich, and maybe even Jay will be able to link up and talk about it shortly. I'm sure Chu will have something to say about it. I think he's got a Knicks sweatshirt as well. Much love to all the boys. Need to touch on this. Uh, the Nets, they lost a game last night to, what was it, the Wizards? Um, where was the other night? The Kyrie missed a pretty easy, good-looking three. KD then missed a attempt at a shot in which it didn't really have any chance of going in. And truly remind me of this, the Kyrie quote where he was like, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, now I got somebody on my team that can, I can look down the bench and say, oh, I can make that shot too. Well, not only did he not make that shot, but you didn't either. And let me just remind Kyrie that who has the most buzzer beaters in playoffs and regular season, it's LeBron James. So let's just be real here, uh, Kyrie. Um, the Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie, partially torn ACL, big loss. This is going to be a big loss as well. Katie's got to quarantine for seven days and will miss the next four games. Had COVID a few months back, I believe. That was something I definitely was right about, went and checked up. But this is a contract tracing situation, according to reports. Missing four games is going to be pretty big for a team that's now slid a little bit after a two and zero start, losing one or losing four out of their last five, and now he's going to miss four games in which he's missed what we talked about it two hundred something day, three hundred something days or whatever it was. I mean, I get all mixed up. Uh, a lot of time and. He's coming back, trying to vamp up. Now he's got to miss four. Now he's got to quarantine. Uh, you know, I think the Nets will still be fine. I think the Nets will still obviously be a playoff team. But I think the Nets being a number one seed in the East might be something I might have slightly been wrong about. But we'll see. It's still early. Things can get hot down the stretch. Kyrie, we'll see if he's able to carry the team here a little bit. But I'm going to have to remind Kyrie that. You're going to have to sage a little bit more, get a little bit more better sage sense. You're going to have to make some of those shots if 
you're going to make some of the statements you make. And I know Shu's going to have something to say about this, but Kyrie, there's nothing worse than coming out and making a statement like that. And it's fine. You can say anything you want, but not being able to validate it in a regular season game. And I get it. He's made what some are going to argue is a LeBron James legacy saving shot. But no one talks about the 8-0 run that LeBron James went on by himself to put Kyrie in that position to make that shot. And nobody talks about LeBron James even getting that team to that position in which, yeah, Kyrie was his wingman, but Kyrie's done nothing in Cleveland without LeBron. So we'll see if Kyrie's able to do something not only by himself, but with Kevin Durant. Also, probably, arguably, the second best player in the world. So, like, you can't mess up now, Kyrie. You put yourself out there, like, for all these takes. Let's see if you're able to hold up uh, your end of the bargain. Yeah. Here's another thing. good thing, uh, Dukes, before I get out of here. <laughs> Doug Peterson, man, he's 22-25-1 as a head coach, including playoffs. Last Pro Bowl drafted by the team was 2017. You know who that was? Carson Wentz. He wants out. I mean, he's going to be out. There's no way he's going to be back on the team. <laughs> and still, with all the great stuff going on in sports, yep, that's 100% taking over the airwaves. And I I don't disagree with it at all. One of the, one of the craziest things I had seen. Like I said, if... Y'all just played the game and lost the game. That's fine. <laughs> Y'all just played and won the game and won the game. That's even better. But, like, just play the game. <laughs> and then don't shun me after with straight lies and deception like that. <sighs> I'm going to be angry if Doug Peterson doesn't get fired. Like, I, I'm genuinely going to be livid. Very mad. Well, that was pretty good for not really an organized show. Didn't really have a post today. Just wanted to come in, clean up a few things from yesterday. Get into some of the things I'm going to hopefully get into on Thursday, which is the NFL game picks for souped up wildcard weekend. Some predictions. Potentially take a look at the NFL draft order. Potentially talk of ranking the teams that made the playoffs in the NFL. I'm sure there'll be some NBA news to discuss. And maybe I'll just get my post out after for today. I got a few things I could post for sure. Appreciate all love and support, though. Really, it's been a tough start to the new year for me. I'm enjoying covering and talking sports. I'm looking forward to talking more sports, watching more sports, covering some of these games. It's really giving me something to do. I got more. I got a lot of stuff that I need to be doing for sure, like cleaning and organizing and probably like figuring out what's going on with my unemployment and probably, I don't know, doing more productive things than this. But like to me, this is just important to me. This is like what I have passion for, and like this is just like how I want to spend some of my time, my free time, and you know I'm hoping I get some more people, some of the boys coming around soon, get some more people trying to check in, trying to support, uh, support and follow along and listen and all that. You know, I'd appreciate anybody doing that. Let me know what they think, joining the conversation, all that. I mean that's it's all good for me, man. I, uh, this sucks, man. I just spend so much time where I'm trying to fill the time, right? Like, don't want to just sit around all day. Got to do something. So I'm trying to do that. Let my dog out. Keep my mind off this other stuff. I feel like this is the only thing that I want to do, that I can do, where I'm not outside freezing, where I'm not spending money because I'm kind of broke. <laughs> I mean, I can't even, like, afford to eat right now. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, let me shout out my Cartoon Network sweatshirt before you get out of here. 
This thing is fire. 1999. Mm, definitely goodbye. Even though I'm broke. Goodbye. Marshalls, baby. I'm always plugging it. Always got to try and plug the pod. Now out on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Hopefully you get your podcast there. Please follow along on Instagram at Seggy Station, at Twitter at Seggy Station. And as always, you can follow along, listen to the pod on the live version. My Twitch, it's underscore Seggy underscore G. Hopefully I'll get something going Thursday. Probably going to have to take a day off tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe I'll be back. Heisman tonight. Devontae Smith. Let's get it, baby. I'll probably end up seeing something that fires me up on Keyshawn in the morning. And that's what really gets the juices flowing. I'm definitely going to try and call another show tomorrow for sure. All right, much love. That's all I have for the airwaves today. Appreciate all listening as always. And as always, I still have no shame what I had to say. It's a man with a nickname. Till next time, everybody. Peace and love. Stay safe out there. You listen to Seggy Station.